This is Jerome with episode 10 of More Life. Today, Matthew Britt and I talk about permaculture, food systems and health. Matt is a visionary who is passionate about building a decentralized food supply through the principles of permaculture. Food Forest Abundance, the company he currently works with, installs perennial permaculture food forests in communities and yards worldwide, helping property owners grow food instead of lawns. By working in harmony with nature, Matt's approach focuses on abundance and requires less maintenance than traditional gardens or lawns. With his expertise in permaculture, Matt is at the forefront of the movement to create sustainable, regenerative, self-sufficient food systems for a better future. With more life, we explore questions such as how can we feel more alive and how can we create more aliveness around us from a variety of perspectives. If there's something for you, Join all the others and subscribe. Okay, Matthew, thanks for joining. And I want to start with the question, how do we create more life? Well, that is an excellent question and I love it. And what a great place to start. Um, creating more life. And maybe I'll ask you a question back to that. Mm-hmm. What in specific, what type of life? Like where are we, where are we going more like human life, life experience, Hmm. plant life, life in general on earth? Well, I have an idea based on your interests and what you're working on and where you would take it. And I don't want to restrict you. I'll just say that we can go whatever. And I'm I'm happy with, with either way. You choose. Well, I think most important piece is to embrace nature and life and really the gift that it is and what creation really has done. Mm-hmm. We have an abundance around us. Life is everywhere. Energy is everywhere. And we've done a really good job in some places in embracing it. And in others, we've been very destructive with it and taking advantage of it and doing a lot of destruction to it. Like, especially the human race, like we have dominion over it and have the right to destroy it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that one of the critical things that we need to be thinking about as we navigate these currently turbulent times in 2023 is to embrace what nature has already provided for each of us. That includes the plant life, the marine life, human life, animal life, etc. And really think about how can we work with what we have here, instead of against it. And Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned about knowing kind of what I do, as, um, you know, a passion and mission and business. We are in a space where we help people grow food. And Unfortunately, today, a lot of our food system is built upon fighting nature. Yeah. When you think about a large industrial scale monoculture farm, well, that's not the way nature works. And there's a lot of chemical inputs involved in those systems. And the reason those chemical inputs are utilized is one, to kill everything else except the thing they're intending to grow. Mm -hmm. That 
is not how nature does things. That is fighting nature completely. And it's no wonder we're in a troubled time around our food supply if that's the approach we're going to continue to take. It's been incredibly destructive to life. Mm -hmm. And the ironic thing is that food really is supposed to help us have more life, have more quality of life, be more vibrant, right? Mm -hmm. But we're covering our food in poisonous, toxic chemicals. So again, embracing, working with life, you know, working with nature, the way that things have been designed already is miraculous. You know, we don't even have a, we don't even understand it yet. We're really mm -hmm. beginning to discover, but there's still so much to be learned. And I think embracing it, working with it, taking care of what's there is, is a great start. I resonate a lot with what you're saying. And I, I want to share a quick story that is was shocking for me at least. So I, well, my background is I, I do teaching and, and leadership coaching. So I created a, a little course that connects planetary life, planetary health to society, to business, to individual purpose. And I had a group of students go through that. And then I thought, okay, let me, you know, additional to what I already have in content, let me also go out and not just, you know, teach in front of the screen, but go out to the fields um, that we have here, small scale farming and, and, you know, film something there. So I went there, monoculture, lots of sun. I mean, we're in Spain, lots of sun, uh, it's basically just stones where they're planting and you know the the farmer comes and it's like what are you doing here and i tell him i'm i'm shooting a video for my students about ecology so ecology being the study of how those things work and he's like there's no ecology here i'm like yeah you're right actually and it struck me it was like he 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 appeared to not even know what that word means <laughs> and that's all that what he's supposed to be doing is about. Yes. <sighs> That's very telling at the yeah. same time. Right. He's someone who works with nature to produce energy in the form of food. And he knows that what he's doing there is not ecological. No. There's no diversity. Mm -mm. And again, that's a very important piece that we need to embrace is nature is diverse. That's all it is. Yeah. Right? There is, there are still today things being discovered after you know, thousands of years recorded history mm -hmm. that still finding out today. Right. So diversity is an important piece of embracing life and creating more life and appreciating that diversity. And it's, it's really, again, very critical at this time in our evolution to be much more cognizant of what's already around us and been provided mm -hmm. and utilizing what's here in a resource wise way right? Uh, uh, you hear the word sustainability. 
that makes sense. Do I necessarily mm-hmm. believe the big whole climate change narrative? No, but have we destroyed many ecological systems along the way? Are we causing problems to nature? Absolutely we are. Yeah. That's not embracing life. That is taking. That's feeling like we have this, like I said earlier, dominion over everything and that we can just neglect things and doesn't matter because we're the most important. Mm-hmm when we'd be much further along if we really did learn to work with everything that's here and put strategies in place to always be, you know, replenishing what we're taking, revitalizing areas methodically and strategically. And uh, what really surprised me when I learned about ecology and, and understood also on like, a grand picture like zooming out that over the history of earth there has been on average always more and more life yeah and right now you know that's not really happening anymore and it's it's just you know i'm I'm trying to put that into my mind like 4.3 billion years ago you know that's how old earth is and then we are here and since the last uh 10,000 years which is a, a tiny fraction of the whole lifetime we've we've done so many things that have negatively impacted ecosystems and we ourselves of course are part of ecosystems so we indirectly and without noticing it and that's one of the problems we harm ourselves as well yes and it's escalating as more and more people leave the countryside and nature and move into the concrete jungle. We get further disconnected from life and even from each other, even though we're crammed into these small spaces. Right? I think about the time that I lived in a condo building in downtown Ottawa, and I had hundreds and hundreds of other units in that building. and didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Now I live out in the country and I know my neighbors, <laughs> but I'm farther apart than them I ever was. And now I'm closer though with the people that live around me. Mm. Fascinating. And this yeah. can continue to get worse as more and more people leave and get disconnected from nature, their food supply, right? Everything. Because now it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter so much that there's a massive, you know, plastics dump in the middle of the ocean that's bigger than the size of Texas. Doesn't matter. I don't. I don't see it every day. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. Or that I we've cut down millions and millions of acres of rainforest. Doesn't matter. We don't see it. Yeah. So what I'm wondering is this this can be quite impactful to learn about all of this for a person who doesn't really know too much about, you know, ecology and sustainability, regeneration, etc. It can be really depressing as well. Mm-hmm. So um I want to ask you, do you think that it is necessary to go into that depression 
or is there another way that people get impacted enough but not too much in that sense too much meaning going into depression or, or similar state of hopelessness um, and go and change something about how they interact with people with life with the world awareness obviously is usually kind of step number one becoming aware of what's happening and deciding to learn more about that once you become aware and then realizing as you became more aware of what is happening that you have choices in how you react and act um as far as like depression and hopelessness that that is definitely very possible and real for people they experience those things maybe trying to be disgusted might be a better way to go be disgusted yeah. with what's happening and what corporations are doing and what certain people are doing because maybe that'll force more in you that you want to do something different mm -hmm. and not just continually turn a blind eye um other solutions at least that i have found is it's easy to feel depressed when you're thinking about it through your lens and you're thinking about it about you mm. right because your problems they're all they see they can become closer and I've always found that one of the best ways to stop feeling depressed is to focus on helping other people, mm -hmm. focus on helping others, help, help nature, help animals, help, right. The collective whole, because when you take your attention off of your problems or the things that you imagine are your problems or the stories you tell yourself about why this is hopeless or depressive or whatever, the more you turn that and put your energy out there and stop focusing on you, the more your things seem to disappear. That's a very good point. Yeah. I, I notice and I, I look at it in a way that when I, for example, in, in a situation like that, get to be in the garden and, and do something, doesn't really matter what, I give something and I get something back. Yeah. I give my energy and I get, you know, some uplifting energy back. Yeah. There's a value exchange there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your things seem to melt away. So many people who work in nature talk about that experience of stress kind of melting away and how it becomes very meditative and the love that they feel the energy exchange that they feel the abundance that they notice mm. the community of the beautiful interaction right the patterns and just nature mm. and we when we get into the concrete jungle with the noise and the distraction and the ads and the competition for your energy and your brain power, right? The marketing that's going on all around you, all the electromagnetic frequencies and the poisons in the air from the exhaust and the spraying and the, you know, on and on and on. No wonder at that point you don't feel great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to, 
touch on the principle of nature diversity that you mentioned already. So I remember actually doing some research into the area of how nature positively influences our health. And there were some studies published that, you know, even just imagining or looking at a picture can have beneficial effects for our health. And what was more interesting for me in this regard right now is that the higher the diversity, the better the improvement in, in health, in, in well-being. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right? It's everywhere. You can look everywhere. Even a good, a good example is soil microbiome mm. and the billions of different microbes and bacteria and worms and all, you know, all the stuff that's in soil. Mm -hmm. And then you think about tying that back into the industrial farming system and the different sides, right? The fungicide, the herbicide, the pesticide, the name your, name your toxic soup, mm -hmm. uh, all that stuff harms all of those things living in the soil. And the soil microbiome really is the same microbiome that's in us. Hmm. And if we're destroying it there, I would imagine that we're also destroying it in us. Because yeah. if we remember some of the basics of physics, and we're all energy, and energy can't be created and destroyed, we're all essentially one, connected, right? Yeah, yeah. So when we, for, for me, for me, it's, it's, it's a real puzzle. Um, so I understand that doing, cultivating food in a way that is diverse, in a way that um, potentially rotates, in a way that is adapted to the location, the climate, etc., uh, is beneficial in terms of requiring less inputs of any type, including water, um, potentially not needing uh, any, any fertilizer, potentially not needing any other pesticide, fungicide, herbicide, etc. And to me, in, in my logical brain, it's like, it fits like the, the puzzle pieces fit they all fit and then i look out and it's like it doesn't fit because it's not being done so what is the missing piece well there's money involved and money continues to clog the arteries of making things function well it also has helped in many ways there's no question about it so that's not what i'm saying that we have to eliminate those types of things Capitalism has created lots of ingenuity, right? But some of the things that have happened along the way is that because of dollars, people do things to have more of it because our society is so dependent on it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes doing what's right doesn't always make the same kind of dollars, especially in the beginning. Now, what 
our business does and what I am really passionate about is helping people mimic nature in their food production and working with the diversity in their food production. It's not about building a monoculture system. We can still build massive food production centers if that is the way that we need to keep it. But our belief would be that we set it up where everybody is doing a little bit. Everybody is responsible to grow some stuff for themselves and utilize permanent agriculture, which means permaculture. Mm -hmm. Permaculture is a science that's been, you know, created as one since the 70s, but I think that's just the way nature always has been is permanent agriculture. Yeah. I live on a hundred acres. Nobody is out there caring for my forest. <laughs> it's caring for itself. Here's an interesting thing. It's fertilizing itself. It's retaining water. It's diverse. It's embracing all of the other things. I don't need to go out there and do stuff to it. Mm -hmm. And it continues to grow back bigger and bigger year over year. And it's in layers of production. Yep. It's got seven or eight layers, depending on you know what things you include. But it's got the tall canopy trees. It has the understory trees. It's got small shrubs and bushes. It's got herbs. It's got, right? it's got the roots and tubers and veggies and the mycelial network. And it's got vines. It's yep. got all those different things running through it. And the reality is we have a whole lot more edible plants than we really understand at this moment. Mm -hmm. Most of us have a very small lens when it comes to things that are edible plants. Yeah. And that lens is small because it's what we see in the grocery store. And that's been strategically removed right these things have been manipulated and manipulated and genetically modified to then we have these this small group of things that are available in grocery stores and the stuff is grown in these big monoculture systems where they use all kinds of toxic chemicals and the thing that lives lives because it was designed to be able to take all those chemicals and live <laughs> Right. And when we look at what nature already does without us, without any inputs from us, it works in a beautiful harmony of diversity. And we, if we start again, utilizing the resources wisely, we can set up ecosystems that do that and produce us food hmm. that we don't have to have the same inputs on these things, both in human labor hours and in inputs of product. And it produces an abundance. The birds and the animals and the insects, they move seeds around, the wind moves seeds around. And it spreads these food producing gardens of Eden, shall yeah. we call them, right? Yeah. One of the oldest stories, the Garden of Eden. And it's a utopic fantasy, but it's not really. It's the way it is if we just embrace it and work with it and support it. And a lot of these things that the chemical companies are doing, they're 
not wanting to lose the money that they invested and stranded these assets, right? A lot of the a lot of the chemicals used in agriculture came during the wars. Yeah. World War One and World War Two. And there was no more war for them to be utilized in the same way. So they repurposed them. Mm -hmm. And now it was a war on life in our food production system. And it's, you know, it's got us here today, where, especially in the Western world, people are sicker than ever. And like, we have, a, again, a cognitive disconnect around that. Lifespan has increased overall but quality of life is diminished. People are sick from a very young age, sometimes their whole life, mm -hmm. right? And, oh, it's just an allergy. Well, that's actually a much more serious thing if you really break it down, hmm. right? A lifelong allergy or skin conditions or diabetes or, right? There's so many chronic problems today, especially in the Western world. I'm in Canada, my you know, dysfunctional neighbor to the South, the United States, the, the health of the citizens is not something to be extremely proud of. Now, mm -hmm. Western medicine in an emergency situation, miraculous, right? If I'm in a serious car accident, no place I'd rather be. Yeah. But for my day-to-day -day healthcare, I want to stay as far away from that medical system as I possibly can. That day-to-day -day healthcare is on me and the foods that I choose to eat and the rest and the stress that I get to eliminate and the things that I choose to allow into my house, right? Do I allow chemicals to come in that require safety lids or do I utilize vinegar? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Do I buy beds that are full of toxic uh, anti-fire materials, right? Flyer, flame retardants mm -hmm. and all these other things that they put on them today that I sleep on, my children sleep on, right? Do I choose those or do I spend more money and time and invest in something that's free of all of that stuff? Yeah. And these are all little decisions that we have to make every day. And unfortunately, most people are so busy trying to make money at a job they probably don't love, away mm -hmm. from their family, which they probably don't love either, being away from their family. I don't mean they don't love their family. I mean being away from their family. Yeah. And those are all things that cause stress and dis-ease in us. Yeah. So they don't, and they don't take the time to actually do their part and make better choices about what they let into their body or, you know, from food or shampoo or cream or soap or any of that stuff, makeup on and on and on to the products, the bed they sleep on, you know, just the list is, is massive. Yeah. Unfortunately it is. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, I'm curious, and, and this is really my own interest. I, I hope the listeners will get something from it too. So you, you talked about the drastic increase of chemicals being used after the world wars. So in my understanding, the system was already damaged before, was it not? 
Uh, I would imagine slightly. I don't know for sure. I just know a whole lot more people used to grow food themselves back then. That was kind of like, you don't grow food. <laughs> you know, the grocery store is a newer thing. Most people did a bunch of that as far as food production in their own yards. <laughs> but today, most people don't do any of it. And it's all reliant on the grocery store, which really most of them only have maybe three days worth of food. <laughs> yeah, and, and, then, and it brings up the, the whole problem of um, storing and transporting food as well. And, it, you know, them losing nutrients over time and yeah. keeping it fresh and using energy to, you know, power the fridges, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really liked when we lived in Portugal, we lived in a city but in in the very neighborhood we were in almost every house had a garden and many of them were growing at least part of their vegetables and fruit themselves yeah. so you know we had a neighbor with a papaya tree um we had you know th there was cabbage everywhere you know <laughs> you could you could walk along the street oh there's cabbage there cabbage there cabbage there cabbage there <laughs> lemons there avocado tree okay cool um and that was really really nice to see and yeah Uh, I, I just wish it was more like that. Well, if we have anything to say about it, it will be. What's our intention is to get growing food everywhere we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Eliminate the lawn, eliminate the ornamental landscapes. Not to say you can't have those things too. Hmm. It's all about diversity. But let's grow some food there too. Yeah. It just doesn't make any logical sense especially where I am, where you've got millions of acres of lawn space. Mm -hmm. Millions. The United States has 44 million acres of lawn. That is crazy. And you know what, and you know what they do to the American lawn? They spray it with chemicals. Huh. And they use their gas-powered lawnmowers to cut it. Yeah. Right. And the time it takes, you know, that energy that can be put into quality time with your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fighting nature again, you know, mowing it. Um, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just sad. I mean, here in, in Spain where we live now, there is not a lot of lawn, at least in the area we're in. Yeah. simply because it's dry and where there is lawn it's irrigated every day at least <laughs> at least in the yeah. morning um, because otherwise it just wouldn't survive and i'm thinking like we have wild fields that are not irrigated and they're doing well why do you have to like plant something that is not from here and then You know, you just have to care so much for it. You have to spend so much money on it just to have it green, but you can just leave it. Those are really good questions to ask, you know, and they probably don't have any good answer for you. Probably not. <laughs> and and it, it's, it's probably because that's just what you do, mm -hmm. right? Their father or mother did it. Or their neighbor did it. So they're like, I got to do this too because my neighbor does it. Mm -hmm. And I can't have my yard 
looking all nature-esque and meadowy, I, I, right? A mind needs to be all properly manicured and nice and green and it's a status symbol. That's the funny thing. From, from what I gather, it used to be a thing that royalty had. Mm-hmm. And it was a status symbol that you could have this big, lush, green lawn. Right. But now it's been sold to everybody. <laughs> Especially where I live. Yeah, yeah. And, and people still use it as a status symbol, even though everybody can have it already. Almost oh. everybody. Well, not, not everybody. That's not, that's not true. But everybody who has the land for it can do it. <laughs> yeah. I lived prior to where I live now. Uh, we lived in a suburb of the city of Ottawa. It used to be a village that was disconnected from the city. But as the population has grown, the city obviously moved out towards it and ended up engulfing this little town. The town's called Manitic, and it was a you know fairly wealthy area. Lots of bigger estate type of homes with two, three acres and a house, right? And these people had massive lawns that were manicured. You know, the you know when you see them, you can see the changing of the color when you mow this way, and then you turn around and you mow the other way, and it makes the you know the beautiful lines and that's what was happening. And you'd see them out there every week for three hours at a time, you know, cutting the grass and. Yeah. <sighs> it's sad. It's just a poor use of resources. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And, I, you know, I think I, I have to think back of, of something that happened to me when we lived in Portugal, I had. Uh, a couple of planters in front of our house on the we had like a a low wall and i had them on top of the wall and you know the way i do it you know i i got some got some seedlings from the farmer's market and then i had a you know a bunch of mulch around it to protect against the sun and i did have to water it every morning but there were there was quote-unquote weed growing right like dandelion here you know grass there some nasturtium there and one morning i'm there just minding my own business and this elderly woman comes by and in portuguese she she's pointing at the dandelion what is that i was like what do you mean take that out i was like why no that's not good take that out and and i could i could i could really feel like I want to be friendly, but I'm getting so angry inside. <laughs> One, because she just tells me what to do. And two, because that is against nature. Yeah. And those dandelions are actually there for a reason. Why are they showing up there? Right. And again, something that I understand about dandelions is that they're being utilized to rebuild nitrogen. They're a nitrogen fixer. So they prepare the soil for whatever comes after. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And if on a lawn, when you see a big, you know, overgrowth of dandelions, 
that'll happen for a few seasons as it fixes the nitrogen in that particular soil, and then they won't be coming back until they need to again. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. So if there are some listeners um, who are curious and are thinking, yeah, you know, I have maybe a little garden, what would you suggest they do? Well, whatever you can do, growing food is good, especially as we go through a food supply chain disaster, which hasn't even fully hit yet. But anything you can do is good. Our definite recommendation is to work with nature and leverage permaculture, the science of permaculture, and properly building out a guild of plants that work together. So plants have companions a lot of times, a lot of things that they need to be planted near each other for certain stuff to happen. So a, a permaculture design is really the foundation for starting to grow a perennial permaculture landscape. Getting a high quality design done by somebody, I would recommend to anybody. If they have experience already, no, maybe not the same, but it's always good to have somebody else maybe check. Um, but if you don't have any experience growing in that way, that is definitely something I would recommend people explore and start diving into. Start getting a knowledge, gather knowledge around what is permaculture, what does it really mean, how can I work with it, and what can it do for me and my family and ultimately my community around me. Mm -hmm. So let's say I approach you and we just have a chat and I ask you, you know, I'm, I'm in the Mediterranean climate, similar to California, yeah. um, when it comes to weather and, and and everything and i want to i want to grow tomatoes now you're talking about about guilds and companions what would you suggest to me uh well so i'll just make a little caveat i'm not a permaculture designer so that's not what i do inside my in my in my company i do grow food and i have a basic understanding of a lot of it and then a more thorough understanding of the high level concepts of all of it. But as far as what plants to plant where, we, my family and I are going to have our own design done by a professional for our own property. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I would recommend to you would be do a 30 minute strategy session with a with a certified permaculture designer. Hmm. Sit down with them, doesn't cost you any money, and spend 30 minutes to an hour getting, again, some good concepts for your own property, mm -hmm. your own climate zone. What are the native plants that will thrive in that environment that are already, you know, more hardy to the increased sun, the reduction in rain? Because there are plants that are suited for every climate zone. No. And it's a matter of building out your food production system, your food forest, utilizing those. Yeah, right. And then I suppose with time, you do, you do create your own little 
microclimate, don't you? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As you get more life growing on that property and you have, you know, especially if you bring in trees and that kind of stuff, you'll definitely create a microclimate. One of the major things that we have done is destroy soil. And that destruction of soil is causing droughts, is causing flooding, right? We're not, most everybody here has turned over dirt in the past, dug a hole and turned it over. Well, you see within 24 hours, that top layer has almost formed a scab, similar to what happens on your body when you cut yourself. Mm -hmm. And that scab is not, this doesn't absorb water the same way. Right. And that's what, and that's what we do when we grow our food today in our, in our systems is we we're tilling both in our annual gardens and people are tilling on their monoculture farms. And now there's the new thing of, you know, no till, and that's a definite improvement. Um, but in the permaculture space, we're doing what you're doing. We're applying organic matter onto the soil consistently that, and we keep the soil covered utilizing specific crops that do so. And that organic matter is food for the microbes living in that system. You know, we don't, most people think that they grow plants. They don't grow plants. Nature does the work. Yeah. We have to create the ideal terrain for the plants to grow and thrive the best. So we actually care and we care for soil. We water soil, we put nutrients in the soil, we put microbes in the soil, we put other life in the soil. Worms are a big one. Mm -hmm. right? Putting that stuff, caring for the soil, the soil and the plant interact to produce more life. And in the soil, I'm generalizing, but it's the microbes. It's all the life in the soil that interacts with the life in the plant that produces the more nutrient-dense foods. Yeah, yeah. So the healthier your soil, the healthier your plants, the healthier your food, the healthier the human. Yeah, that's it. And we almost could have started there. How do we create more life? <laughs> Heal the soil. Yeah, yeah. Care for the soil. The soil will care for your nutrients in the, in the food you eat. And then the food you eat will heal you. Or help you heal yourself. It'll help your body heal itself. Yeah. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. Thank you. <laughs> we made a good circle there. Yeah, right back to the full circle. Mm. I'm very amazed by by soil and by soil life. Yeah. I I wish more people were. I think. Uh, and and I, I mean, I have to be honest, this I've learned in the last couple of years before that I was not so interested in looking at soil or touching soil, but I would be the same. <laughs> you know, I've, I've learned that. First of all, that soil and sand is not the same. I thought no. it was the same. It's not, it's completely different. And that soil is just decomposed organic matter. Yeah. So, you know, when, when we zoom out, I, I talked 
in the beginning about you know 4.3 billion years of the earth and plants started taking over and greening the planet 600 million years ago and from that day on soil has been building by you know leaves falling down and, and trees falling over and whatnot uh, and roots decomposing yep. and that is what soil is yeah it's not sand it's not rocks yeah and that's and that's another one of the 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 things that we do that's counterintuitive is raking all those leaves that fall onto the ground we take them up right and get them off of our land we can't have them messing with my nice green lawn yeah even though it's food for the soil which would help your lawn yeah and then you have to fertilize it because you take it away yep yeah I I often go to the to the dumpster. We have we have the dumpster here, and then right next to it we have the collection site for garden waste, and it's full. Every you know every Monday when they pick it up, it's full, and I often go there and just look. Okay, what is here that I can use as much and bring back into my garden to create more soil, create more life yeah. in my garden? Yeah, there are places where they'll actually give you all of that. Like people can go drop off their compost, but the the at least in in North America, you can go and often pick it up. People, there's a central drop off location, and others will come and be there just just to pick it up and do what you're doing, adding it to their compost piles and using it to grow better food for themselves, healing their soil. I'll have to check out whether they have that here. Good yeah, it's possible. Wow. We've had a great conversation and I want to really thank you. It's it's a nice full circle that we've been um, creating without being concerned with doing that. I think it just yeah. happened naturally. Yes, yeah, it was great. And if people want to know more about you and what you're doing with your business, where can they find out about it? Yeah, so they can find out about the company. Our company is called Food forest abundance they can go to foodforestabundance.com um, we have a partner company called the freedom farm academy freedom farm academy and that's at freedomfarmacademy.com and then for myself you can find me on linkedin under my name matthew Britt, or facebook same thing you can find me there um, those are the two primary places i guess where i would have any social media presence yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your insights today. Thank you for having me. Having you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was an awesome conversation. Love the direction that it went, and I hope it was valuable. For me, definitely it was. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you got something out of this podcast, share that with your friends or colleagues or even with me by sending a message on my socials. Subscribe to get notified about new episodes and leave a rating or comment in your app to help others find more life. If you have requests for future topics or suggestions for fitting guests, email me at joram at emergetoprosper.com. In the next episode, I will reflect on the episodes I've recorded to date and share some of my insights with you. Thanks again, and hopefully until next time.